Romans chapter number 11, we'll start. We finished in verse number 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now it starts, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Got a lot going on here. We've got first fruits, we've got lumps, we've got roots, and we've got branches. <laughs> um, let me just stop right here and say this from the onset. These verses of Scripture are not dealing with an individual's soul for salvation. God is dealing with national issues, and He is drawing out in Romans chapter number 11 national Israel, and He's making some contrasts and then some comparisons to now Gentile nations. There's, there's the nation of Israel, that's not us, and then Gentile nations. We just finished up in verses 11, 12, and 13. You see he mentions Gentiles four times leading up to this. Now I'm going to say this phrase, uh, I'm going to say this from Galatians. The Bible says that if you are in Christ, what are you neither? A Jew nor a Gentile. And there's truth to that. There's some real good truth to that. But also the fact remains, we are not part of, nationally, as descendants, we are not part of a Jewish nation. By default, we are part of a Gentile nation. Why? Why? Because we're non-Jews. But in Christ, have you trusted Christ? Well, you are in Him. Your identity has nothing to do with your nationality. Brother Buck's not going to try to be a native Indian. <laughs> He's going as a Gentile to those native Indians and they have a national distinction and he is going to try to win them to Christ so that they are in Christ and now none of them are neither native Indian, uh, Native American Indian or, or Native American. It's, it's in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's how we rest individually. As saved people, we are in Christ. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 17, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. We have two different types of branches. Wild olive Gentile branches and natural Jewish branches. Then it goes on to say, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Okay, so what's the root? Let's see if we can get some help on that. Go to Numbers chapter number 15. We'll stop our reading in Romans 11. We will backtrack. Um, and it might take us a message or two to piece all this together. But Numbers chapter 15. Bible says in verse number... 20 numbers chapter 15 verse number 20 you shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering as you do the heave offering of the fleshing uh, threshing floor so shall you heave it of the first of your dough you shall give unto the lord and heave offering of your generations 
In Romans chapter number 11, in verse number 16, we talked about, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. In Numbers chapter number 11, you had a handful of dough that was offered to the Lord. That handful taken off of the dough. And it's a token to the Lord that it was taken from the lump. This handful gets taken off of the lump and now it's offered to the Lord. Uh, and this first fruit also points to, when you think of a harvest, the first fruit always points to the fact that there is more to come. So when you have a tree blossom something and you see those apples that are bright and red coming up in late summer, well, it's only a few of them. That's the first fruit. That tells you and I as farmers that, oh, there's more to come to this. This is the first fruit. You can take some of that off and you can point to the lump and say, you know what? That tree is good. Why? Because you saw some first fruits. You're looking for first fruits. So Numbers 11 pictures that. The first of the dough was given to the Lord. And when it's given to the Lord, it also shows that the entire harvest not only is going to come, but the entire harvest is set apart to the Lord. And praise God for it. In part, the lump, when you see in uh, verse number 16, for the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy. If, if the first fruit is offered as holy, then by default, what is also holy? That, that, the entirety, that, that lump. Now, the first fruit, you know, Jeremiah 2 says that Israel was holiness unto the Lord. And then it goes on to say, and the first fruits of his increase. What was Israel before it was Israel? I mean, you can say it wasn't Israel or you can say it was just a Gentile nation. It wasn't God, Abraham wasn't called out yet. So there was a first. There was a nation that was called out. And we see that through uh, Genesis 12 and, and, and 15. And we see God's covenant promise. But a nation was called out by God, starting with Abraham. That's the, that's the first. But guess what? There are other nations called Gentile nations. In the Old Testament, a matter of fact, almost the entirety of the Bible is dedicated to dealing with God's national people. And there's a little bit that's dealt with us as New Testament Christians. God has a lot to say about that nation. We are not uh, Israel, we are a Gentile nation. Um, let's go back to Romans 11. Let's kind of take a little mind pause here and, and, and deal with something else. Romans chapter number 11 it goes on to say in verse number 16, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. Now we've identified the branches as if some, look at verse 17, and if some of the branches were broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, that represents Gentile branches, 
were grafted in among them, that's the natural branches, uh, and with them partakest of the root, there's that word again, root, of fatness of the olive tree. That root represents the covenant that God made with Abraham. God made a covenant to Abraham. He made a promise to Abraham. But you know what God's been... <laughs> the covenant that God made to His national people, did they disobey Him? Did they go after other gods? They did. Many a times. We're not dependent on those branches. Those branches are nothing without the root. See, God's covenant roots it. God made a promise and he keeps his promises. <laughs> if God makes a covenant, amen, he keeps his covenant. Now, his people, maybe not. <laughs> but God rooted something in, Abraham, in the promise and the covenant that he made to Abraham. And he is going to deliver on that promise. And they are going to get a piece of land. And they are going to be restored. But you know what he's been doing for a long, long time? Breaking off some branches. <laughs> what did they? How many years did they spend in the wilderness? A good bit. <laughs> you know those ten spies? They didn't want to believe God. You know what he did? He broke off some branches. What happened in the book of Joshua? Achan had a better idea. I'm not going to obey God. I'm going to hide some some of the spoils in my tent. You know what God did? He's been breaking off branches for a long, long time. Because his people are disobedient. You take a branch off a tree and you break it and you throw it out on the ground, what's going to happen? It's, de it's dead. That branch is nothing unless it's connected to what? The root. I find it interesting that in Ezekiel 37 it talks a valley of dry bones. There are this dry dead bones laying there like sticks of bones. God's going to breathe some life into them, bring them back. And you got some branches that are broken off. And you may think, oh, well, that God's done with that nation. That's na that nation's dead. He's only grafting in wild olive branches. No, God's got some life for that nation. They're going to be restored. Why? Because it's dependent on the root. He made a covenant with his people, and there's always been a remnant. Remember, it says, what does it say about the branches? Were all of them broken off? Some. Some. There's still some Joshua and Caleb's that were left. <laughs> See? And so God's been in the business of breaking off branches for a long, long, long time. And <laughs> how about Eli's boys? They didn't want to follow God's law. To them, committing adultery, oh, that's, that, that, don't, that don't matter to me. You know what God did? He broke off some branches. <laughs> He's been in the business of doing that for a long, long time. Jewish people refuse their Messiah. It's sad. It's sad. So in Romans 11, what did God do now with all of that said? Romans 11, verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. How many branches did we say we had? Two. How many trees do we have? 
one tree. You got one tree and you have two different types of branches. God now has placed Israel aside for a time. And now he is dealing with the wild olive branches, the Gentile nations. We talked about all those reasonings why, the provoking to jealousy, all that we covered. But they're going to be grafted in, grafted in. Abraham, the father of what nation? Nation of Israel, right? Abraham, we went through this, we went through the book of Galatians, has how many seeds? There's two seeds of Abraham. There is a physical national descendancy and then there is a by faith descendancy. When we as olive branches get, wild olive branches get grafted in, we don't become physical Israel, we become spiritual Israel. The seed of Abraham that believed by faith and now we are grafted in. Does that make sense? Now with that said, when we are dealing with nations, you don't find anywhere in Abraham's covenant where he said they're going to have an eternal home in heaven. He said they're going to have an earthly plot of land. And you don't see anywhere in the Ten Commandments where if they obeyed God and they did enough good works by obeying God, they would have an eternal home in heaven. What I see is they got blessings on earth when they obeyed God and they got cursings on earth when they disobeyed God, they physically died. <laughs> but Abraham, Romans 4 told us when we went through that, when Abraham believed God, what was imputed to him? Righteousness. He was not saved by the works of the law. Spiritually. He was saved physically. All Israelites were when they obeyed God's law. They received physical blessings on earth and their tribe and their camp didn't get sick and they had crops go up and they lived a flourishing life because they were connected to the root of that covenant which said, here's, a, here, here's some of the benefits I'm going to give you when you obey me. Now, what does that have to do with us as Gentiles? Well, we're grafted in by faith, but the contrast that is being made here isn't an individual soul being saved and going to heaven it has to do with the living conditions that Gentiles now will receive on earth because we are connected and obeying and following the commands of God. When you have a missionary that's going to go to the Lakota tribes in South Dakota and their living conditions are horrible, guess what makes their living conditions better? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know what's going to happen when the saints are caught up? <laughs> oh, we're not broken off, we're caught up. But all those unbelieving uh, uh, folks that are left here, the living conditions will be absolutely horrible. The world will collapse in less than 10 years. The entire world system will collapse. Do you know why things are... Look, we think they're bad, but they're really not that bad compared to what's going to happen. Because there's Christians living here. And when Christians obey the Lord, they receive blessings from the Lord 
on earth by living right. Why else would you tell your child, if you do wrong, you're going to have a consequence? If your child does wrong and they're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, do you tell them you better do right or you're going to go to hell? <laughs> I would hope not. That would be confusing to them. This is why the same way the Calvinist trips up in this verse and they can't stop saying sovereign election over and over and over and over and over again when they get to Romans 11, the Arminius falls off the ditch and they can't stop saying by the time we get to verses 20 and 21, well, you can lose your salvation. <laughs> We're going to read those verses. There's something that will be cut off. There's something that will be lost for you and I as Gentiles here on earth. The benefits that we have from living in accord to God's commands. And when that nation, those individuals within that nation didn't live in accord to God's commands, God did some breaking off. The living conditions changed. Let's keep reading in the verse, and I hope maybe some of this start to stick. Um, Verse number 18, we read, look at verse 19. That will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. They didn't believe or obey God's commands. And he gave them a consequence. The living conditions changed for them. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. That is not an individual losing their salvation of their soul. Look at verse 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity. But toward thee, goodness. Watch this. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. You mean if I don't obey God and follow his goodness, I'm going to be cut off and lose my salvation of my soul? No, no. But that is exactly how an Arminianist would read that verse. They think that you're going to lose your salvation. You are not going to lose your salvation in Romans 11, but you're going to lose something. If we all have a community and we live in accord with God's commands, guess what there's going to be? Harmony. If there's sin in the camp, guess what has to happen? Somebody's got to be broken off. And if we can just glory in the fact that God's way is best, His commands are best, and be happy living for Him, we will experience similarly, though not exactly, what Israel experienced, blessings from God. We tell our kids, don't get involved in drugs and in drinking. Why? Because the consequences down here probably won't go away this side of heaven. Don't get involved with fornicating. Don't get involved with driving cars fast while you're drunk. Why? Because of the consequences here on earth. And your 19-year-old may say to you, but dad, I've trusted Christ. That's great. So when you hit that pole, you're going to die and go to heaven or you're going to hit that pole and you're going to be a paraplegic for the rest of your life. And if you would have obeyed God and, and your father's words, you wouldn't have been in the situation you were in. Amen. What didn't the nation do? They didn't obey God's word and they got themselves in a predicament. So God cast them off. Now he's going to come back and restore them.
Let's see if we can look at Jeremiah 11. Jeremiah 11. Jeremiah chapter number 11 concerning natural branches versus wild olive branches. Now we've got a tree. And in Romans 11, the tree, um, I, I, I'd submit to you, the tree is not the church. <laughs> We have to come to an understanding is what is the tree then? In Romans 11, what is the tree? It's not the church. Look at, Roman, uh, look at Jeremiah 11. Let's see if we can get an understanding of what the tree is. Romans 11, verse number 16. Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 11. I'm sorry, Jeremiah 11, verse number 16. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree fair and of goodly fruit with the noise of a great tumult he hath kindled fire upon it and the branches of it are broken for the lord of hosts thou hast planted thee hast pronounced evil against thee for the evil of the house of who israel and of the house of who judah which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense unto Baal. We're going to back up in Jeremiah 11, but that olive tree, it's the nation of Israel. <laughs> That's who the olive tree represents in Romans chapter number 11. That nation of Israel that started with Abraham. And we are not natural branches. We are wild olive branches. And we are not going to be grafted in to go and take some land on earth why do you want land on earth when you have a spiritual home in heaven you will not be grafted in as a physical descendant of abraham and as a physical recipient of the benefits that that nation will receive physically on earth and all that fullness is going to come to pass when christ comes back for a second coming we get grafted in by faith. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. And God made a covenant and a promise to us that we are going to have a home where? You got it. In heavenly places. Why would we care about our soul being grafted in for individual salvation and then trying to want to take land on earth? That real estate ain't worth nothing to us. We have something higher and better, a home in heaven. So understanding those two seeds of Abraham, Galatians 3 talks about all of that, but we are grafted in, and now we are seeing this distinction made between a Jewish nation and a Gentile nation, and how on earth what some of the benefits are. If we back up in Jeremiah 11, look at verse number 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Hear the words of this covenant and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of who? Israel. Of who? Israel. Right. So that all, what, that look, that olive, when we looked at verse number 16, a green olive tree, it is clearly in reference to national 
Israel. You can't miss that. Watch what happens at the end of verse 3. Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. When they didn't obey God, what happened to them? They were cursed. They were cursed. And when you and I don't obey God now, we're going to suffer a consequence. We're going to definitely suffer a consequence. That's why God's ways are always right. Now, look, now watch the contrast in verses 4 and verses 5. The Bible says, Which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you, so shall ye be my people, and I will be your God, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Did it say anything about going to heaven? <laughs> it's a physical piece of land. That's what it is. Then answered I and said, So be it, O Lord. Did the nation's disobedience nullify the covenant that God made with them? It did not. God's going to keep that covenant. In the meantime, he's going to have to break off some branches because of their disobedience. Look at verse number 7. For I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt, even unto the day rising early and protesting, saying, Obey my voice. It's pretty bad when God has to protest with you to obey Him. Wouldn't you say? Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked everyone in the imagination of their evil heart. Therefore I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. What they do instead? Look at verse 10. They are turned back to their iniquities of their forefathers, which refused to hear my words, and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. And so God now really gives a stern warning, and you may think this is mean, because when I read it, I think it's mean. But it's right. But it's right. And it's harsh. It's hard, this verse. Look at verse 11. Here's what God tells him. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And thou, shall, and, and, and thou they shall cry unto me. And he says, I will not hearken unto them. Verse 12. Then shall the city of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem Go and cry unto the gods to whom they offer incense, and they shall not save them at all in the time of their trouble. I'm not being mean when I say this, but if you get sick and you, uh, or, 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 or bad times hit you and you call the church, you haven't been through the doors your whole life, and you've been drinking and you've been drugging and you've been living for the devil. 
Why don't you call one of the gods you've been worshiping and ask them to help you out? God says, I don't hear you. Then he's going to go on to say in verse number 12, he says, um, verse number 14 rather, he says, Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Whoever the million-dollar sports heroes are or the million-dollar movie stars are or the million-dollar music stars are that you idolize and you glorify and you spend all your time memorizing who they are, when something bad goes in your life, why don't you call them and ask them to help you out? Right. Why are you walking into a church when you could care less about the preacher or the people that go to that church? God says, I'm not hearing you. You've done such wicked things, I'm setting you aside, I'm not hearing you. There's going to come a day when they're going to be restored, and gloriously we're seeing that through the end of Romans chapter number 11. But I'm telling you, we get this idea that the church is just supposed to help all those people that are down and out. Really? The ones that are down and out because they live for the devil? You spend $200 on a Saturday night and $200 on a Friday night giving your money to the boozers in town? And you got no money and you want to and you put oh, church, will you pray for me? No, I won't pray for you. I'll witness to you. That's what I'll do. I'm going to witness to you right now. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't get rid of this idea of worshiping idols, you're going to end up in hell. Will you pray for me? No, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm going to preach to you the gospel. Amen. Well, that's mean. We have too much coddling of sin. God tells his prophet Jeremiah, you, I'm done listening to them. Jeremiah, don't you even pray for them because if you do, I'm not hearing you. And in America, we have this idea that we can just live how we want and God's just going to take care of all of it. He don't hear none of that. God made a covenant with Abraham. They obey God, they're going to get blessed on earth. They disobey God, they're going to get cursed on earth. You and I are in Christ. We can get connected to the root. We obey God. Look, we have already have an eternal home in heaven. But why not get started now by just enjoying His commands and doing what He said to do so that we don't end up with horrible living conditions? And when the church is caught out, the conditions are going to be extremely horrible. You're going to be left with a world full of unsaved people. Wrap up with a few thoughts and we'll be done for this morning. Go back to Romans 11. Romans chapter number 11, there's a warning that's issued. We read it in verse 18. Boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. We exist because of the root. Some of you ladies are into horticulture and all that, and you, you have plants and trees. What do you do with a pruner? You, you, you prune off branches. That branch falls, it dies, but what happens? If the root's good, what happens? Another one comes out, right? Because it's in connection to the root. 
And so pruning is a good thing. We can see that in farming. We also see that in God's Word. It works so, so great together. Don't think that we exist. The nation thought, well, look at us. We're a big, beautiful olive tree. And Gentiles might think, yeah, God's done with Israel. Look at us. We're grafted in. We're a big, beautiful tree. Except don't. Because our branches won't have any fruit if we're cut off. It's only because we're in connection to the root. This Bible through and through is about a kingdom and a king. And there are two kingdoms. There is a spiritual kingdom of heaven and there's a, uh, a spiritual kingdom of God that's within. There's a physical kingdom of heaven and that has to do with national Israel. And that physical kingdom of heaven that God has for that, that people, it's a Jewish kingdom with a Jewish capital called Jerusalem with a Jewish Messiah who's the king of the Jews it is not an American kingdom with an American capital in Washington, D.C. and an American president named Donald Trump. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. But this Bible through and through is about a king and his kingdom. And the devil's always been a fight for the kingdom. When we rule and reign with Christ, when we come back with him, and that millennial kingdom happens, you know what the focus is going to be about? That physical kingdom, the king, his Jewish nation. We're going to go to Jerusalem, folks, and worship. The law is going to be brought back. And we're going to happily obey it. But God's not done with His nation. They're in apostasy right now. And you might have a dormant root, but we don't have a dead root. Might be some branches broken off. Might be some scattering, but God's got some gathering in mind let's not forget that and until then let's not think we're on equal footing ground with god's nation israel let's keep ourselves not high-minded but humble and remember who this thing's really about